You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Pages. We've got the whole gang here. So we've got Jessica. And we've got Steven. That's me. And we are continuing on with the Accidental Alchemist. So we did the first hundred pages last time. And this time we have gotten to page 234. So pause it here if you've not reached page 234 because there are going to be spoilers. Mm-hmm. And finish reading and then pick back up with us. It's juicy stuff. We it is very, it. It's very juicy stuff. Yeah. Oh, and that would be the end of chapter 27 for if you're listening to audio and no pages. So I our, appreciate that. Our cocktail <laughs> this time around is called the Apricot Blossom. It is, again, a tea-based drink. Yes, it should be in a martini glass. Yes, I'm still too lazy to go buy martini glasses. Steve, I'm going to have the virgin uh, version of this mocktail. Yeah, I just have tea. So he's got tea. Uh, Again, we're doing it tea-based because in The Accidental Alchemist, everything centers around tea. Although maybe we should have done coffee for this episode. But (laughs) we should should have tried to make the the cocoa... um, I, what was the whole thing? The thing that she made to keep herself awake is that cocoa, coconut sugar, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We could attempt good one. We could attempt those. So the apricot blossom is four mint leaves. I failed to keep one of them for a garnish. I just, <laughs> I'm all in. It's fine. I, I failed that in general because I forgot I didn't have mint. <laughs> uh, quarter ounce of simple syrup, one and a half ounces of brewed orange spice tea. Any orange spice tea that you like. I did celestial seasonings. The recipe recommends Harney and Sons orange pico. Pico. Mm. So I'm, I'm sitting. I'm drinking Harney and Sons. <laughs> Are you drinking their orange something? No. Um. However, this one does have orange peel and spices. So. Uh, chilled to room temperature. An ounce of rum. Half an ounce of apricot liqueur. Now, Jessica and I are using an apricot brandy because the local liquor store didn't have apricot liqueur. Uh, (laughs) And then half an ounce of lemon juice. Throw in a cocktail shaker, some ice, freeze it, strain it. All good. Mm -hmm. So this is the apricot blossom slash orange peel tea. Cheers, everybody. So that is our cocktail for book club this evening as we go about. At some point, I'll get around to doing food with it. But for now, just tea. Based cocktails. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to throw it over to Jessica for our footnote for the evening. Yeah. (laughs) So. uh, Zoe's an alchemist. And alchemy is a lot like a super duper scientific version of herbology and witchcraft in a way witchcraft in a way but one thing that i've always liked as like a fantasy writer is a when you write fantasy technically you don't do technology a lot so when you have characters go through symptoms of stuff you end up looking up natural remedies and stuff and because basically everything that we do for drugs anyways nowadays comes from these natural healing remedies because yes i have like five million resources on healing remedies and all that (laughs) stuff um i also in college took a class called psychopharmacology which is basically how drugs work on your brain and it also includes natural drugs because natural drugs are also still used um for example saint john wort is used for uh depression it's actually a really good antidepressant um one issue with it is that it interacts with a lot of other antidepressant stuff, so it can make you more depressed. But, um, but there's and ginkgo tea is also great for other things as well. So there's just, but pretty much everything that you have comes from the origin of what would be deemed as witchcraft. What would, what got you know Zoe in the Salem witch trial of just knowing what herbs go with whatever. And now of course there is. In Zoe's alchemy, there is like sort of a magical element of it of how the plants seem to talk to her. 
but it's really not that odd. And it always drives me nuts that it's considered witchcraft because these things naturally like are react into your brain and we've known it for forever. I mean, it's how we got our drugs in the first place. It's how we found out that caffeine works as a stimulant. Just, yeah, it just, it drives me nuts. Sorry. I was like, it's not witchcraft. It's just, it's knowing how plants work. (laughs) Knowledge is scary. Yes, I know. Um, What's your favorite uh, herbal remedy that most people may not know? Oh, I don't know one that most people may not know. Um, What's your favorite? Honestly, it's just using like stuff like if you're feeling really sick, drink turmeric tea. Turmeric mm-hmm. tea is natural and antioxidants. That's a natural remedy too. It's going to help your immune system. It's it's stuff as simple as that. If you have an ups, actually, probably my favorite is when I had a really bad nausea. I would always chew on mint leaves. That helps nausea pretty much right away. If I can't, I don't have fresh mint leaves. I also use mint gum as well. Works just as well. Um, ginger tea works really good for nausea too. Um, yeah, it's just. <laughs> I want to say shout out. I want to say shout out to whorehound tea. It's great for your throat and your stomach. Yeah. Now, like a natural remedy that a lot of singers use is you take like in a shot glass, you put a little bit of apple cider vinegar, a little bit of lemon, and a little bit of honey right before you do any like major solos, because that you know the honey coats your throat and makes it smooth. The lemon cuts anything that might be on your throat or vocal cords, and the vinegar helps wash it away. Like it's just. (laughs) That's how it is. It's also really good if you have a sore throat to take just just a shot of that. And some people, a lot of cleanses involve apple cider as well to yeah. help cleanse gr- out my, all the toxins. Uh, my grandpa, he he was like a fiend for apple cider, vin- uh, apple cider vinegar for literally everything. Um, mm-hmm. Like every single morning was a spoonful of apple cider vinegar. So, oh. And that yeah. guy lived to be ancient. He's still going. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> tense <laughs> yeah no no he, he's also going a little bit and uh, upstairs so mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can make like more like natural like using eucalyptus and shea butter to use like more so like a natural vix rub lemon balm is also good for that too and just it's all i don't know why it drives me crazy that it's like how is this considered witchcraft it's just using a plant to its optimal properties mm-hmm. and using it to help yourself it's, it's not witchcraft or alchemy it's just i mean alchemy is like witchcraft and chemistry combined like if you like the description of her alchemy lab is a chemistry lab <laughs> no exactly so yep. yeah exactly. so and people always ask like how do people like realize that like that you could just inject yourself and you get high. And I was like, cause it came from these natural things where you got just slightly high. I did, so for psychopharmacology, I did a huge project on opium specifically, which came from a flower called poppy, found out you could smoke it, get high from it, found out you could switch it up chemically to get even higher from it. And, and then also realizing, oh, we have a serious morphine addiction problem. What if we make this even purer and we'll help cure the addiction? which ended up resulting in heroin. Mm-hmm. So just, that's how it clearly, if we make it stronger, it'll help. <laughs> so yeah, just so you know, heroin was used and prescribed to help with morphine addiction. There you go. History. Thanks heroin. <laughs> yep. Well, it's just like we used to use really strong opiates to not help with the pain of pregnant, of labor, but to make you forget that you had labor. Oh Yeah. It's it's great. I just herbology, psychopharmacology, alchemy, witchcraft, it's all the same. Chemistry, it's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. <laughs> so that is generally herbal remedies. Um, do you have a favorite like go to book that likes a good encyclopedia? I I do not have an encyclopedia book. Usually, like this, I got. I worked for a long time at a used bookstore, which I just took books that I, I liked. That was how I got paid at the used bookstore. Was I just got to have access to all the books. And this one's pretty cool because it has recipes in it, and it also has sort of a little bit of history in it. So this is Hands-On Healing Remedies by Stephanie L. 
Torlays. Torlays. So, and it also has, I think, like lotions and stuff in it, solves and just everything and aspirin solve. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> but, um, um, also, the internet is also an excellent source. Um, just know generally the one downside to herbal remedies that the FDA doesn't necessarily approve it. There's not a lot of research behind it. So, I mean, you'll have people saying, if you do this, it'll work. We swear. There's no actual proof that it'll work. The FDA is not going to, it's the same thing with vitamins. There's no actual proof it does anything, but, um, I mean, at least you'll definitely get a placebo effect. So it'll do something, but yeah. Yeah. Well, so for you, avid watcher listener, if you've got a favorite herbal remedy or favorite herbal remedies encyclopedic style book, give us a tweet out or shout out in some form mm-hmm. or fashion. Uh, yeah. Let us know what you guys think. Always looking for more fun homopathic remedies. So I guess we'll go ahead and jump into where we left off. Yeah. Okay. So last time I completely messed it up and gave away the fact because we ended with blue lying on the floor and even caught my slip up. (laughs) The past tense was. Um, Damn it. (laughs) Anyway, our opening is the fact that uh, Zoe has found blue. She dials 911, gets blue to the hospital. Blue is stable, but in a coma. So, generally speaking, I guess, let me start with your guys' favorite parts about this middle section. Anything that stuck out with you? Any favorite scenes or anything like that? I, uh, the, the robbery. <laughs> the robbery. <laughs> that you okay. didn't even get to see. I think that was why I liked it. Yes. Yes, I like it. So Dorian's uh, robbery or? Yeah, Dorian's stealing the uh, the poison from the police lab with um, Brixton's help. Mm-hmm. And it just, I mainly like it just because you don't find out about it till Brixton and Dorian are sneaking back into the house. And so he's like, what, 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 what? <laughs> like, yeah. Did you do? And it sounded something- so fascinating. Like it sounded like such a thrill of a ride and you didn't even get to see it. Like, to me, I loved that. I 100% imagined the evidence laboratory from Knives Out. What we saw <laughs> of it. Um, because I saw the movie like maybe like a month ago, finally. And so mm-hmm. like small town kind of place. Like that's what I imagine. Even though Portland's not small, I imagine them all being a collection of small towns that make up Portland. Mm-hmm. I, I will know. I know Portland's not small, but when she's describing it in the book, it feels like a small town. Yeah. And it's mainly because all these characters are so interconnected with the tea shop. I kind of like that, that you can have those like small town hubs within a bigger city because of one central location. Yeah. Well, I mean, even Max talks about it. I think it's in this section about Portland being made up of small neighborhoods that have all of the same aspects of small towns that you anticipate including the gossip Mm -hmm. Um, but so we start out Zoe gets blue to the hospital gets blue balanced and then um, oh Steven what was your favorite scene oh um, for that one uh, I both like and dislike the scene for um, oh my gosh we just said his name, the kid. Um, Brixton. Brixton, thank you. Uh, for Brixton trying to pass off the recording uh, of Dorian. Like, oh, yeah, no, you're like, this, see, this was totally the gargoyle. And they're like, sure, gargoyle. Uh, when she comes back and she's like, no, yeah, my French boyfriend with this scar. <laughs> yeah, like that. I, I really liked that. There you go. Did you like the um, completely terrible cover up that was somehow also a really good cover up? Nobody questioned the fact that everybody knows everybody in the area. She <laughs> she went somewhere to go visit the person, and then everyone in town knows about it, and they're like, oh, yeah, your French boyfriend. Nobody's like, who's the French guy, though? Like, that might stick out. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> like, it was just, it was perfectly terrible. Like, your French boyfriend that nobody's ever met. Mm-hmm. The, in the 
house, but nobody's ever seen. Yeah. Is it, it was an interesting one. It is much more believable than a gargoyle being alive, though. So that's why the humans went, okay. That's fair. <laughs> well, plus they're teenagers. <laughs> I, I know the lady's supposed to be older, but this, like, super gossipy lady, I keep imagining. Did you guys watch Weeds? Uh-oh. No. Oh, never mind. <laughs> For anyone who has watched Weeds, um, there's a super gossipy person who uh, had another, she was another person on, like, the parent-teacher conference, or parent-teacher um Teacher Association, sorry, um, with Nancy uh, in Agrestic, and she was in a, a real butthole. Uh, like, I, I imagine that lady as her, even though she's a little too young for it. Okay. okay. Yeah. No idea who you're talking about, but I believe that's you. okay. For anyone out there who watches Weeds, I, I hope that one hit. There has watched Weeds and can interact with Steven on this issue because Jessica and I are just. Uh, Sounds no. good. <laughs> <laughs> So then, yes. So uh, then Brixton and Dorian break into the evidence lab to get the poison because they presume that Zoe will be able to figure out what the poison is and then solve the mystery because she's smarter than the detectives um, with her special alchemist nose. Um and Zoe sets up her alchemy lab and she tries to, oh, this was the other piece that I really enjoyed. Did anybody else appreciate the fact that Dorian just used her credit card to order an espresso machine and a French newspaper subscription and just like, what do you mean I can't do that? What, what's the problem? You're an alchemist. Turn lead into gold. It'll be fine. It was interesting. The way they set up her relationship with the idea of turning lead to gold was that she just couldn't before. And maybe it's that she can't now, but we definitely hear her mention the idea. Um, like, well, maybe I'll do this just to pay for this one thing. I'll take that up again. And then she also mm-hmm. mentions in the memory, having used that in the past. Yeah. It's so the, interesting. The impression I always got was that she could do it, but she wasn't good at it. So she couldn't do it frequently and she couldn't create large quantities because she just was not great. You know, like one of those things like, yeah, I can cook a meal. Like I can feed myself. That doesn't Mm -hmm. mean I'm a good cook. That doesn't mean he's going to want to eat the food that I make. Well, I could subside on it, subsist on it. Mm -hmm. I kind of sort of take it as, and I don't know if I'm reading it wrong because we still don't quite fully get how she's doing alchemy quite yet. I mean, she's done it but you're not getting like how she's doing it and from i got a little bit more of how she's doing it from her talking about how she turned lead into gold and it seemed to me alchemy takes science but then the magic portion of it is how it pulls from emotions in some way so i think you can't turn lead into gold because you need your wealth but you can do it if other people are being generous towards you well, so or if you're, you're going to use it to pay back other people. That's what it seems like to me, that there's some sort of balance to how you cannot just turn metal into gold and that there has to be so many of emotional toll to go with it or something. Well, the word she uses frequently is intent. Yeah. Like your thought process behind it has to be pure. You need pure intent. Mm-hmm. So Okay. I don't know if she can have pure intent to pay off a credit card bill. <laughs> I don't know. I just like the, like his whole thing when um when she like got at him about it was just like I was homesick. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. What, like I'm I'm French. Like of course I need an espresso machine and my French newspaper. Like yeah. What on earth are you talking? You've already taken bacon from me. Yeah. Like <laughs> what are you? <laughs> She has taken souffles from him, unfortunately. He'll figure it out, but for now, he can't make a souffle without me. I do also want to point out that he's like supposed to have this French accent, and then the main character's name is also Zoe, which is just like prime for him to say it at all times. Zoe, yeah. like Zoe? it's it's just it's right there. Yeah. <laughs> um. I also love how he uses alchemist almost as a derogatory term sometimes. In, like in which which situation? 
So like when he gets frustrated with Zoe or Zoe's like, you can't do that. I can't do that. It's not possible. That's not the way this works. He's like, alchemists. Like, <laughs> you're all the same. You're all useless. <laughs> you're all useless. I can understand that one. And yeah, like, go like, find yourself a stage magician and get him to read Latin to you then. Like. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, I just I appreciate that every once in a while, like he use he can use the word to mean such high esteem and such low regard all at the same mm-hmm. time, just by the inflection. Cause it's because he's French. <laughs> it's a powerful accent. Yep. So, uh, she then discovers what the smell is, and it's mercury. Mm-hmm. I should have figured that's what it was too. Um, which nearly takes which nearly takes her out when she gets a good whiff of it. Mm-hmm. And then they decide to the Dorian's next logical conclusion from his little gray cells, his little gray cells. Uh, is that they need to break into Blue's house. He he likes to break into things. <laughs> I think we've definitely learned this. Like, I know that he's done plenty of things by night as just a matter of course existing and looking the way that he does and everything. Yeah. But he jumps to that a lot. Yep. Although I personally appreciate that Zoe gives in but refuses to let Brixton come with them against Dorian's protestations. And then when she gets ready to get Brixton to go to sleep so they can sneak out, Dorian's like, well, then just drug him so that he's asleep the whole time that we're gone. And she's like, no, that's, that's my line. <laughs> like, I what may if- have some lines, but that's my line. I'm not drugging a child. <laughs> In retrospect, though, would they have should have been great. <laughs> Yes, in retrospect, that would have been a really good idea, but... No comment as a daycare teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they, they, could, they could have drugged him several ways. <laughs> she was really hoping she'd give you... You, she'd, you were really hoping she'd give you an herbal remedy to drug the kids? <laughs> Is that what you're looking for? <laughs> no, like, you, you could have done it so many ways. She, she could have done, like, given him things that normally put people to sleep and everything, or they could have just made him like a really big turkey dinner. It could have been effective. I'm just saying. Hey, man. Yeah, it's like, just like, just like get you. There you go. I like it. So then they break into Blue's house to try and find the book and they can't. And so But she touches the poison. But she touches the poison, which is mm-hmm. Mercury China herbal based you find out later on, but yes. And then that's when they get back to the house. And this is where. Is this where uh, Brixton's trying to. Divulge Dorian secrets. This is where it is, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. around there. Trying to remember which occurs in what order because, like, I have all my favorite things, but like, I get it all jumbled up. So, yeah, yeah. they get they get back from uh from having gone to get the things from there. She's still feeling kind of queasy and whatnot, and then right away they're thrown into the situation where the two other teens are sneaking into the house. They she thinks they're like robbers or some other kind of assailant, and he's just like, "No, look, check it out! Like, this is the audio thing." And then we come up with the. Idea that this is Zoe's French boyfriend mm-hmm. disfigured. And Veronica gets very upset with Brixton for making fun of somebody who is um has a disability. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I, 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 I wholeheartedly appreciate because it's definitely like a bit of the difference between boys and girls at that age, <laughs> I feel mm-hmm. like. <laughs> um yeah. so Zoe redirects it with chocolate cake, which is a prime redirect. That is mm-hmm. an excellent redirect. So, I, I like. I do like that later on. the The detective he points out that those kids are a good influence on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad that they realize this. Yeah. <laughs> so, then what happens next? Somebody remind me. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so they they have their whole 
their whole thing where he tell uh, she tells him about the fact that uh, she knows more about the poison, but she can't tell the cops because now that they have taken things, um, yeah. it's no longer admissible as evidence. That's right. Yeah, since they took the poison after, or well, she mentions to Dorian. That's what it is. She mentions to Dorian that she didn't quite get enough of the poison to be able to tell exactly mm-hmm. what was in it, and that's why Dorian's like, "Well, clearly, you told me you wanted me to take it. <laughs> like, yeah, that was yeah. what like, you were saying, right?" Yeah. I like that he says he's like, "I mean, you didn't say it in so many words, but I do also openly like that it is probably the first like." amateur detective book that I've read that openly said, yeah, this evidence would not work in court anymore. Like, that's the first time. <laughs> it's useless now. It's yeah. useless now. It's been in other people's hands. It has been tampered with. It will not work like, in court. Evidence is broken. Yes. Well, and then I personally like Max's reaction of, he's like, I think I saw a monster. But, like, that can't be right. Like, I must be delirious at this point There's i like that he saw a monster beforehand though like a yeah. month ago or something in yeah. the tunnels which makes so that dorian had been there longer i wonder if that's where the part about them going spelunking comes in the teenagers like they're yeah again like i said before recording that there are parts um with the the writing style of the author that nothing that's mentioned is unimportant um, which everything that's mentioned in any greater detail, you know, that's going to come up later. Um, and so I, it's very odd that they went spelunking with helmets and whatnot. If that doesn't come up later. Yeah. That Ethan kid, I need to know more about him too. Mm-hmm. Don't trust him in a way. I'm like, mm, I don't know about yeah. this rich Ethan kid, just buying old helmets to go spelunking. But yet yeah, now, and then that's where my head goes to like, all other forms of alchemy that I know about. And I was like, oh my God, did somebody create a chimera? Like just. <laughs> I, it's like, still definitely possible. I, I, th- I think we see a chimera in this series. I don't know if it's in this book, but there's no way they avoid it for the whole series. <laughs> I know you can't like chimeras yeah. are so fascinating. <laughs> and then I went to that full of metal alchemist of the little girl and the dog. And- no. No. God, that episode. Can't talk about Camaras without talking about that episode of Full Metal Alchemist. Don't watch it unless I don't ever watch it. I won't. Don't worry. Yeah, no, there's no way she's going to watch that series. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's not happening. So, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, so they now have the stolen mercury from the lab, and Zoe set up her alchemy lab. And so she tests it to try and see if she can get the poison, discovers it's mercury just as she passes out. And Dorian very ingeniously uses ammonia to wake her up, which mm-hmm. we can talk about killing some brain cells during this process, but it wakes you up. It's effective. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, so then she goes to the hospital because she realizes she has something that could potentially cure blue. And she goes to the hospital. And she sneaks into Blue's room and she puts it in Blue's mouth and then she drops the dropper and has to scurry out. Mm -hmm. Visiting hours are over. And then she starts to panic about them finding the dropper. And then she gets a phone call. And (laughs) Blue's awake. It's... There's something interesting about the idea that someone else that she uh, Blue says that the reason that she knows that it was her, it was Zoe that helped her and like brought her back, I guess, uh, is because they said that she was the last one to visit her and that she found this this whole dropper thing from the tincture. But what did she think that this random person had in that tincture that she gave her? That doesn't make her think something crazier. Well, an herbal remedy. We know that Blue is very passionate about herbal remedies and not while she might not believe in alchemy, she's very much a, a believer in apothecaries and mm-hmm. those kinds of things. So she probably assumes it's some sort of herbal remedy. I guess I'll take this one. I don't know. It just like it just seems like such a big leap. Like, I'm so glad that you helped me. Like <laughs> 
and she she never asked like i mean like so like like what was that in there you know yeah <laughs> eucalyptus or <laughs> so it'd be like i don't even remember what's in it i made it 150 years ago <laughs> yeah they're just like wait what <laughs> So then we get informed that Blue only wants to speak to Zoe. So the detectives are going to allow Zoe to interview Blue. And there is, of course, a recording device, but we learn about Blue's path. And we discover that Blue was a very good, although never official, attorney. Mm -hmm. And he was... Mentally abused by her husband and mm-hmm. basically kind of tricked into giving up her life until she decides to take it back by faking her own death and going as on. As one does. As one does. Yeah. As one does. I mean, that's just a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then we learn that the police think Blue killed Charles because he was blackmailing her. Yeah, that, that he knew her secret about her past. Yep. Which I question because did they have proof that Charles knew her past? That's on like it's just I don't, a theory. It's just yeah, a theory. It's, it's why, you know, it's why they were hoping that she'd divulge something to Zoe. Mm-hmm. And so when Zoe leaves, the hot gets summarily dismissed by the detectives from the hospital. Max picks her up to take her home and they have the conversation that Jessica loved the most in this session. So here's the thing, like it felt like, okay, occasionally as a writer, you have to write scenes, long conversation scenes and conversation scenes are difficult as a whole because it's different from prose writing. Cause you have to like, it really has to feel realistic when you write. So you have, to, and there's always times where you have a character and you know, like, what you want to, in the end result, be said in this conversation, but you don't know how to get the character there or how to get the other character there that might be also avoiding that end result. And that's exactly what this conversation felt like was just where it's slightly awkward, but it should be awkward <laughs> because these people don't know exactly what they're saying yet. Like, Zoe, Zoe knows she wants the end result to be, hey, I know what's in the poison but she wants to do it without telling max hey i'm an alchemist who's 300 years old without (laughs) slipping on any of that stuff and max wants to be like hey i'm trying to stay off this case because i'm a goody two shows even though i'm freaking out over the fact that i just saw a couple monsters (laughs) and having hallucinations so it's just a very like open honest of just like constantly changing the subject constantly like trying to flip it back constantly going oh Oh, oh, he died. I'm so sorry. Just like, constantly just mm-hmm. sort of bouncing off of each other, sort of awkward and sort of not quite reaching the point. And then you feel their frustrations over not quite reaching the point in a way. Yeah. yeah. And then I feel like you have this whole, you know, love interest added. Like, I don't want to piss you off, but I'm not going to give you the answer you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still want yeah. you to like me. So... Don't be mad that I'm giving you a bad answer. (laughs) It's, yeah, it's just, it felt like a really realistic, like I could see, yes, this is how these two people would try to talk their way through the situation. And I could see like, yes, this is probably exactly how I'd end up writing it because me as a writer would be like, I have no idea how the crap I'm going to get Zoe to not spill her beans right now. Like, (laughs) it's usually how it goes. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So then... We, Zoe gets back. She updates Dorian about everything that's gone down, what she learned about Blue, and he starts working his little gray cells. Um, I just love that he continually calls them his little gray cells because he's a stone gargoyle, so his cells really are gray. Like, <laughs> they are his little gray cells. I mean, no matter what, we could, it's, it's the gray matter. It's the gray matter. But, like, it just, I highly enjoy it. Um, in any case, she then also divulges to Dorian more about her past mm-hmm. and the fact that she was born in Salem and she grew up and she was a teenager during the Salem witch trials. And a she great time yeah. to just be female in general, much less a person, and much less <laughs> a person doing anything that's outside the realm of like 
just existing. Yeah. So, Even if just existing as a female is dangerous. So. Yeah. So her younger brother Thomas helps her flee when she gets accused of witchcraft. And I did appreciate that Dorian asked if she was burned at the stake. He's like, oh, burn you? And she's like, no, it, it didn't come to, like, wait, no. It didn't come to that. <laughs> so they oh, go to London and, you know, two orphaned kids with no real income. She starts selling herbal remedies, catches the eye of a, a unnamed alchemist who remains unnamed, who thinks it's her brother Thomas. When he finds out that it's her and not her brother that's the al- that's the potential alchemist, they don't want to deal with her because, again, she's a woman in the 1600s. Yeah. So she, uh, but word gets spread around and she gets picked up by the only alchemist who will accept a female apprentice, Nicholas Flamel, and his wife, Purnell who are both alchemists in France. And so Zoe and Thomas go to live with them. And Zoe starts to be trained in alchemy, in the true science of alchemy by Nicholas. At some point later, about, I think she says it's about 10 years after she starts training, the Black Plague comes sweeping through France and Thomas falls ill. And so she, despite being warned by Nicholas that the elixir of life cannot be transferred from one person to another, she desperately attempts to try and find the elixir of life to save Thomas, and she doesn't, so he dies. And then in a fit of 20-something upset and angst after losing the only person you care about, completely understandable, but... She runs away from the Flamels before finishing her training. She just up and leaves. Finds out she's immortal. Yep. Starts wandering around and realizes, oh, crap. I did find the elixir of life. I'm now immortal. Okay. Well, I guess I should go back and start training again. So she goes back to try and find the Flamels and they're gone. She doesn't know if they died, if they're alive. The house that they had been in had just turned to ashes but no other real indication. So that's when she starts her mourning process and wandering around. So, if there's an actual, like, Nicholas and, I forget her, her name, Pernell. Pernell. Um, <laughs> if, if the Flamels are still out there, guys, I'm so sorry that your name keeps coming up I know you just want to live out there. And every time someone uses you in some conversation, a piece, some piece of media about alchemy, you have to just like, oh, well, I got to go to ground again and go hide even harder. I'm yep, so sorry. Fine. Go into the movies one day and then Fantastic Beasts come on. Yeah. <laughs> just, oh, yeah. I don't even look like that. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, come on. So oh, and then <laughs> from Zoe that although she's immortal, that doesn't really stop her from potentially dying. She could still be murdered, get sick, die of an accident, all of those good things. It's simply Mm -hmm. just that she doesn't age. So -hmm. she's not going to die a death due to age. Um, So from there, they start to plot and discuss, and Dorian determines that food is the next important thing. So he sends her to the grocery store where she runs into Ivan, Olivia's friend who we met very briefly in the coffee shop, but Zoe had never spoken to. And so she says hello to Ivan and Ivan responds back in an accent that she recognizes as Prague in the Czech Republic. Now, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. This is an important bit. Which is exceptionally important, apparently, because Prague was a hub of alchemy mm-hmm. for a long period of time in the Middle Ages. So this is Zoe's presumed connection to alchemy that might unravel the whole mystery. 
the the part that is very much going to clearly come into play is that we know all of two things about this person. Um, their name. Well, I guess three things. Their name, that they're friends with this other gossipy person. And three, that he has some kind of health condition that he refuses to look for um, like a cure for. That's all that has been said about him. Well, no, it's that he's searching for a cure for it. That he's she, mentally- searching for the elixir of life. Yes. I mean, well, I'm, right? <laughs> uh, clearly. But she, the, the she said... Chemistry professor. Olivia said that he refuses. Oh, the chemistry professor. He's searching for the elixir of life. Yeah, right. But no, no, like Olivia said that he refuses to find a cure for. No, he refuses to go to doctors for. Okay. Okay. That's her version of a cure. His version Mm. is the elixir of life. Because he knows he can do it. Because he already made a career. Olivia said that he had he was a professor, he has his doctorate in chemistry. Mm -hmm. One of the things that she said. So this is important. This is this is very important, very important. <laughs> so, I know last time we said that we weren't too thrilled with any of the characters except potentially Dorian. Any characters now tripping your trigger? Any that you're liking more, less at this so, point? I still like Max. <laughs> I still like. Max. I like Zoe less. I think Zoe has written less well during this chunk of this book. Personally, she is written pretty. But I, f- I feel like part of me is like, well, maybe it kind of makes sense because she's been so running for so long. Maybe she doesn't even know who she is anymore. I feel like that's what I'm supposed to be getting from it. But I kind of sort of wish I was getting more from her. And you kind of got it with her talk about the past and stuff. And you kind of get it with her trying to do alchemy again. I just feel like she probably is, for the lead character, one of the weakest ri- written characters in a way. Plus- I feel like again, like every every bit of a thing that we get about her, none of it feels like it's just connected to the previous bit, and it exists because of the thing that just happened. Like the reason that we're hearing it is because of what just happened, versus it being important for the future. It's a lot of telling and not showing about her character. <sighs> very it, much so. Which is very interesting for it being in first person, and I think that might be what it is because the stories in first person normally you would get. A lot more of that first person character. It is in first person, right? It is in first person. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, It's an eye, but I just. It's, yeah. It's very very much in first person. Um, That's like, I like her person. Like, I I like that she's an alchemist and she's doing your. I just feel like there's some disconnect with the. How she. Like, it'd be. I kind of get it. It's a hard character to write for. When you yourself are not immortal and you have not lived 300 years, it's a hard character to write as. So I think it being written first person probably is the mistake. I think it'd be significantly better. We like her a bit more if it was written in third person and she's or even like a first person, um, not omniscient, um, you know, where it's like a what is it called? Where it's I'm just like one, it's like one step removed from. Where it's almost like Sherlock Holmes, how Watson <clears> is the one writing the story, even though Sherlock's the detective. Watson is the one. Like if it was Brixton writing the story, it might have worked, <clears> or or Dorian writing the story. Like I just, or just some serious outside person, like Nicholas Flamel has been watching her her entire life, and he's the <clears> one <throat> writing the story the whole time. What? Like I kind of. That's what I, I feel like it is. Like it is, and I, I get it because I have tried writing in first person for a character that was over a hundred years old. And it's difficult because you're not, I'm not that person. And it's really hard to get how their thoughts and inner thoughts would actually be. You really have to pull yourself back from your own life to be able to be like, how wise would I be? Or how many stupid decisions would I make if I had immortality? Like it's a real (laughs) difficult balance. I think that gets better. Yeah. The series goes on. It should though, because once you start you know the character writing, you start to know who. Like it still feels like not like it feels like it's a draft. It feels like she's still learning the character as she's mm-hmm. writing this book. That's that's what it is, which is how normal writing is. Which is also why first person can be very difficult if you're writing a character so different from your actual self. So 
like it makes sense. Like I, I still, I will say I like the character. I just think it's just right now in process of her writing. Some of it doesn't quite make sense over how this character should be thinking yeah. in a way. Yeah. But, and there's just not enough backing for her to be thinking that dumb. Like she keeps on making like dumb mistakes. You're just making dumb mistakes over and over for somebody that's 300 years old. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and, and uh, Dorian calls her on that. Yeah, and well, and she admits it to herself a lot of times. She's like, "This was really dumb." Like, and that—that's where her character is getting slightly better. Where, and that's where I sort of feel like it is that Zoe herself is starting to realize like how to be herself. So that's where I'm like, I kind of get where the writer's going with this, but like, it's hard to get to like her as the reader, even though I know the intention of it. Yeah. So, but I definitely, I, I am invested in Zoe. I'm going to end up finishing the series. So like, just, it's a good yeah. call. It's a good call. So, um, other than our main three, Zoe, Dorian, and Brixton, your favorite side character at this point. I know yours is Max. Yes. Mine is always going to be the hot detective love interest. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing for this one right now, honestly. I have nothing. No, no. I, I I feel weird saying that, but I I don't know. Okay, blue is interesting. Blue is cool. I kind of like her past. Yeah, I like it. So, at this point, we are just about two thirds the way through the book. Who do you think is the murderer? It's not Ivan. <laughs> yeah, I don't it's not it's not him. Uh I am starting to wonder if her um like her significant other comes back up in the franchise uh purely based on when we're hearing about them. Oh um, yeah. Didn't like if they're going to come back around. Tragedy happened to him though. Oh no no, he's he's supposed to be dead. Oh, yeah. is he dead? Okay. Yeah. He's supposed to have basically gone crazy and committed suicide. Um. Oh, he blewed her. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um. Okay. So, do you think Ambrose is the murderer? I don't know. I don't know if they actually are. Um. Like, there are a couple possibilities, but I hope. I hope that the writing is playing it a little bit closer to the chest. Um. Than how I'm thinking it is. Who do you think it is? Right. Right now, I have nothing. Like firm. At all. It's like Kitty then. <laughs> honestly, honestly, like I did, honestly though, it's still a possibility. I don't know why. I feel like Ethan is like who a are you? Young, accidentally discovered the elixir of life way too soon, child. Exactly. <laughs> just been a child for way too long. Like, yeah. That's what okay. I feel like it is. So Ethan makes Jessica's top three of potential murderers. Mm-hmm. Same. I'll take that one. Okay. Who are your other two top three possibilities? I still go for Ambrose. Ambrose? It'd be fun if Olivia somehow ends up being the murderer. Okay. Olivia. I don't know how, but it'd be really... She she did mention her age more than once. This <laughs> woman, though, literally got um, Zoe to buy flowers for her, though. Yeah. You yeah. know she knew that if there was no visitors, they wouldn't be able to bring in flowers. You know she's like, might as well keep these flowers. Thanks, Zoe. Like, yeah. I got another woman to buy me flowers. <laughs> okay, so so we're looking at Ethan, Ambrose, and Olivia as potential suspects. So, dear listener, viewer, oh, I, I do want to put an, I, I want to put another one out there. Okay. Uh, um, Max's like someone related to Max in some way, shape, or form. So, like a relative of Max, uh, or even like the his ex. Okay. Or like the one who I guess who was supposed to have died. I, Someone who who is connected to the story through him. Okay. Okay. So maybe one of the other detectives or something like that. But no, I someone closer to him than that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, dear listener, viewer, tell us what you think. Give us give us your suspect list mm-hmm. on this murder adventure. Um, any final thoughts on this section? I liked how Brixton avoided saying what her age was. And then <laughs> even when he guessed her age, knowing that she's immortal, he still guessed what was a normal age, which was 27. <laughs> I feel 
like if I knew she was immortal, I would have been like a thousand. I don't know. <laughs> but maybe Brixton was smart to be like, hey, you act like a 27 year old. <laughs> that one is definitely true. You don't have one no more. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, it's like, hmm, she's making a lot of the same dumb mistakes I would make as a 20 <laughs> something. Um, so are you guys enjoying the book so far? Is this a complete slog? I don't hate it. I don't love it. Um, it's like a six and a half out of 10. Okay. I like it. I'd probably give it like a seven and a half out of 10 right now. Solid. Just because it's, it's very unique. I don't read a lot of books that involve alchemy or mortal alchemists or gargoyles. <laughs> and also detectiveness and then also veganness and then also trying to make a souffle with sweet potato like why would you think that would work <laughs> no you can do these things and he <laughs> talked about flaxseed as an egg replacer that is 100 yeah. oh, yeah. a solid one oh. flag uh, like um it's a two to one ratio for flaxseed as a binder and things i know i just the frustrations oh, of yeah. it oven is just <laughs> i do i do appreciate how much food is involved in this this uh, book and this series mm-hmm. like almost every other scene involves some food um which is you know to me very much how you live life like everything revolves around what are we eating next um but it's not a bad way to live it's not it really isn't it really isn't so with that jessica where can people find you at you can find me on twitter as jm bailey writes but you can also find me on tiktok as J.M. Bailey writes. And then we also have an Instagram called Love of Pages. So check us out on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Steven, where can people find you? You can find me across all social media as uh, Peppermint Gent, Peppermint Gentleman, or on my new art Twitter as Peppermint Gent minus all the vowels. There you go. <laughs> 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 so uh, you can find me uh, with Geekly Media at Geek Elite Media, our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. We will be finishing out this book next week, so prepare to get to the end. We shall solve all the mysteries. Well, some of them. Well, not all. (laughs) (laughs) Half of the mysteries, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Maybe more like a quarter of the mysteries. (laughs) (laughs) Prepare to be disappointed. Uh, Oh, no. (laughs) So you're saying Dorian isn't cured at the end of this book. Damn it. Prepare to be disappointed. <laughs> right. uh, please remember to, to rate, review, and subscribe on any of your podcatchers so we can introduce this to more people and hopefully encourage everybody to pick up books again because it's, it's a lost hobby, I feel like. But <laughs> you can find archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts at geekelitemedia.com. Remember to keep turning those pages, but until next time, always remember to geek out. Geek out. <laughs> <laughs>